Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Welcome back to segment two of Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. I'm your host, Chris Riley, and we're talking with Peter Taglianetti of the Pittsburgh Penguins. What was the transition like for you from high school to college as an athlete? Um, what were things you didn't know when you got there at PC? Most of the guys were stronger um, because they were part of the workout program where back then we we didn't work out. You know, we basically, you know, rode our bikes for a cardio, you know, we were running, you know, doing whatever it is. And uh, it wasn't a lot of weightlifting type thing. I got into Nautilus, I think my uh, uh, junior to senior year in high school, like Nautilus just came out and, and so buddy of mine joined, um, and now I think that was the first time anybody ever mentioned, you know, like, oh, hey, you, you should work. Oh, God, look, your body's transformed already, you know, in, in a matter of months, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but these guys have been doing it for three years. Yeah. So they, they were a little bit different. So that that probably caught me off guard. But the one thing is funny is I, I <laughs> and, you know, playing with Mario Lemieux, and, you know, he never worked out or anything like that. And he said he never, never saw a dumbbell score a goal. Yeah, one of those type things. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but the one thing I did have, uh, I had better, I had better balance than everybody. So the, the the being that more muscular really didn't help you with like core strength. Much. Yeah, core strength and all the others. But it, but it was a factor that while these guys are are you know ten pounds heavier, fifteen pounds heavier, and it does does make a difference after a while. What about the the grades? And, and the studying and having to learn to balance, you know, going to school, practice. I mean, what was that a big transition for you, freshman year? Yeah, it was. Um, so there's a, it, <laughs> there's a course you have to take at Providence to go for two years, five days. Yep. Western, Western, C- Western civilization. Yep. That's the reason and why I didn't go to Providence College. <laughs> you can get an, you get an A in that class and get D's in all the other class. You probably pull a B average. You know, <laughs> that's how much it weighed on you, that type thing. And, uh, and it's a lecture hall. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, 80, 90 kids in the lecture hall. And then at the, on the Fridays, it breaks up into teams. stuff, And, you, you know, that's yeah. where you're taking quizzes and stuff. And that that was really hard in a lecture hall because, like, you, the guy was just at there, blah, 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 blah. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, you're, like, zoning out. And, <laughs> um, and you had to squeeze all your class. You had, you had to squeeze all your classes in before 1 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, so it was you couldn't take a you know two o'clock in the afternoon class because you had practice and stuff like that. So it, it, was, it was a transition. And you know, once again, I, I, I nobody ever taught me how to study the proper way of studying, um, and that that was something I had to learn learn on my own type thing. But we had tutors and stuff we needed. You know, if we needed them and uh, study halls and and, uh, and and Lou was really good at that. And you know, and he just he said, you know, you'll you'll be fine. Just kind of you know make sure you get all the materials, do all your stuff, you know, and it, it would all, it all come together. And it did. But, but you asked the question, I saw why I only played. Um, one of the reason why I went to Providence is for the smaller classes, but I also knew there was four seniors, two juniors and two sophomores already there. And I was the only uh, defenseman they brought in that year. And I knew I wasn't going to play. Um, and then the second half of the season, um, I, I think he did it for because uh, my dad ended up passing away my fre- my end of my freshman year, and I didn't know about it. Uh, but he was in the hospital for for like a month and a half, two months without me knowing about it. 
they kept it quiet. And every time I was going to go home, he found a reason for me to stay at school. I just didn't put two together. I thought he was just like making me do other things. And, um, and I think uh, he, he let me play so my dad can see me playing college. I think that was the reason that those couple of games. Um, what was it like on a day-to-day with him? Like, what were his expectations of all of you? I mean, he was, he's a ta- everyone who knows him is a taskmaster. He's very, very focused on what he wants. He's very successful. He studies other programs. You know, we had uh, Bruce Garber on, who was an assistant coach for him, and said he studied the Montreal Canadiens. He studied the Philadelphia Flyers. Anything he saw that was positive out of those teams, he brought into the Providence program long before any college coach was doing what he was doing. Yeah. So the NHL has him to thank for that left-wing lock. You know, and we were doing <laughs> Providence College was doing that for, you know, 15, 20 years. You know, they just didn't know, they just didn't have a name for it other than hey, whatever the high guy is, always go to the left wing, you know, if, mm-hmm. they, if the other team gets the puck. And we shut down a lot of teams that way. Um, but he was, he was one of those guys that he knew what you were thinking before you thought, before you said it. You know, like you're, you're about to ask questions. He goes, you're about to ask me this question, aren't you? And yeah. And he goes, and, and he had, he already had it planned out. <laughs> He could, but he was he, he read your he read your face and as soon as he was saying something he caught you out of the corner of his eye like kind of give him like a like a wince he turned right to you and you know and he goes you're going to ask this question and he had he had it all detailed out like if there was 15 steps he, he had it out 20 steps you know he, he knew exactly what it was and his big thing was and, and it's a cliche but don't think don't think you know what to do react to the situation and he, he everybody was held accountable i mean it's just like in football if a tackle doesn't do what he has to do you know the guy's going to get in and sack the quarterback everybody even though it's a team sport everybody has a has a job to do and he made sure that everybody knew exactly what they were going to do and so there was no hiccups and and he was very successful at it and, and he took that into the nhl day to day with him though i mean was he <clears throat> excuse me was practice very demanding for you I mean, when he would get there or would he say, we're going to work on this today? Or would he have a, a set thing he wanted to get accomplished with you guys each day? Yeah. So, well, back then, now they play weekend games, you know, Friday, Saturdays. Back then, you, you could have had three games during the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. It didn't matter. You were all over the place. Um, and just depending where you, um, uh, uh, what games you were playing, who you were playing, uh, you might have already started. You're playing BC on Monday night, but Saturday, you started doing things for the Wednesday game. You know, so, you, but it all kind of melted in together, but you just, you just, you didn't know you're doing something for the Wednesday game against Northeastern, uh, but you were doing something for BC and adding something to it that, Hey, remember last Saturday, we were, this is what we're going to bring into the game now, you know? So um, yeah, detail orientated uh, well, way above, um, way above everybody else. Um, he, he, he liked individuals. And I think I got, I think I got along with him too, because um, I, I think I was his whipping boy. And I think, and, and he knew he could yell at me and scream at me and do things to me. And, and it wouldn't affect me. It didn't, it didn't affect me. There were you know, I had guys, we had guys that if he yelled at them, they would have went in the shell for two weeks. And so they had somebody, they needed people over here to, Hey, I'm going to take it on this guy. And I'll give you a really quick story. Um, our sophomore year, we're playing, we're going, we're playing in the playoffs. And um, the quarterfinals, it's at Providence. But we stayed at a hotel down the street in Pawtucket, right? Okay. He's done that so, with the Devils and, and the Islanders and the Canadians. Yeah, oh, yeah, and yeah. The Leafs, he does the same thing. So <laughs> we're practicing and we're getting on a bus. We're going to go out to dinner and then we're going to go to the hotel. So the practice ended. 
I grabbed like 10 pucks. I'm at the blue line waiting to, um, uh, I was just going to take some shots on net. And Tim Army was, oh, I got something popped up on my screen here. Um, so Tim Army was in front of the net, you know, just doing some things. I was waiting for him to get out of the way, get out of the way. He finally get out of the way. And um, I take one shot and he comes over. All right, Pete, go off, get off the ice. I said, yeah, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to shoot these pucks. He goes, no, I said, get off the ice. I said, I know, but I was waiting. I, I was waiting. And he, he goes, I said, get the fuck off the ice. And I was, <laughs> I was so mad. I started skating to the, where we got to get off. And it was a puck and I fired it down the ice. And, and you remember a guy named Paul Gay? Yes. Okay. And, Paul his Gay. and his brother, Joel too. Yeah, Joel. Yeah. So Paul, Paul was my roommate and um, uh, he was down behind the other net and he was one of, he scored 30. I mean, he was a I great mean, player. And a puck goes whipping around the boards and hits him right in the ankle. And boom, he's down. We, we, you know, right? <laughs> I <mean>, unbelievable. <laughs> so I store, I got off the ice, whatever it is. And next thing you know, the door comes open up. I mean, flying open. And he starts screaming at me. Oh, my, you know, he's, he's going at me. And I'm like, holy sh... I mean, I didn't think I... I mean, so anyways, he's going, going, going. And, and he goes, get... And he's dragging me into his office. And, he's, and they're all... Everybody's at the door listening. He's He's going to... He's about to kill me. And uh, so finally, I like come out, go to the thing, and, and everybody's kind of quiet, you know, laughing. And we had some jokes on the team, and they start laughing, you know, whatever. So we get on the bus, we go on the bus, and he got his car with a little fryer on the side, you know, they yep. had, you know, that fire guy? George, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he he walks on the bus and he goes, Peter, get off the bus, and he's like really locked. Everybody's like, like what the hell? What the hell's going on? He goes, you're riding with me. And I'm going like, oh, and all these guys go, oh, shit, he's going to kick him to school. <laughs> they, they, what the hell was going on? And, and he, but he had it all planned out. So I get in the car, we're driving. He didn't yell at me at all. But he said, now, listen, we're going to dinner. We're going to, we're at a big, big table. You know, nobody called him Lou. Everybody called him Coach. Coach or, or Mr. Lamarillo. Or, or, and his close friends called him Double L. Yeah, you know, I remember that. And yeah, double L, double B, and all those. Yeah, yeah all the, all the, all the, yeah, the, the double consonants. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah. So we're driving along, and he said, "Listen, somewhere at dinner, I want you to call me by my first name." <laughs> so it was just like out of E. F. Hutton. Yeah. So we're sitting, we're we're sitting down, we're eating, you know, but everybody's, you know, like talking, blah blah blah, and I just go, "Hey, Lou, what's for dessert?" And you hear about like, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know he, he let it like he just stared at me for like like three minutes and then he starts laughing and, and the whole like all the air came out of the room but it just he just wanted everybody to relax you know that type of thing so he had he had everything planned out but yeah they thought they thought he they thought i was gonna get, get kicked out of school <laughs> that's a great story we're talking with peter Taglianetti of the pittsburgh penguins here on inside the game brought to you by flex coach of flex coach vr um, let's continue with that for a second with Lou. Did he mentor you guys a lot? Was he teaching you a lot of life skills that you could take after you were in school? Not everyone's going to go to the NHL. Not everyone's going to play professionally, but you're going to go into the workforce. You're going to get a job. You're going to raise a family. Was he giving you also life skills? Uh, I think his life skill lessons were, was the hockey thing. You know, you don't give up, persevere through adversity, you know, all those things and, and, and nothing – and, and there's one thing I passed on to my kids who were really good athletes. They played college football um, and all, all growing up, you know, it's like you never, you never show them your hurt and you never 
like over the top, um, uh, uh, what do we call it? Um, like jumping around and screaming and hollering and stuff like that. Act like you've done it before. Yeah. And that pisses, that pisses a team off more than you jumping around and acting like an idiot, you know? And I think those are the skills that, you know, that, um, you, you know, if somebody says, Hey, Ken, yeah, I, I will, you know, without even, without even worrying about what the next part of that sentence was always do it, always do it to the best of your ability. Never leave anything off, you know, never leave anything on the table. Um, persevere. Don't ever let them see you get hurt. You know, if you're hurt, you're really hurt. But if you just kind of hurt, just, you know, don't let them see you. But, you know, and, and you don't show weakness. And, and, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. It helped me, um, helped me not, uh, um, uh, how can I say this? It's, um, You have to find, and I'll say it this way, he made you find your niche. There's a niche that you belong on something. You know, not everybody can be the shortstop. You know, not everybody can be the starting pitcher or the first baseman. And I, I kind of, with, with what I did, and I'll tell you, as we get into the pro part of my career, and I did this with my kids, it's like, you're playing baseball. They're really good baseball players, but, you know, there's, they put an all-star team together. Well, everybody's the shortstop. Everybody's the, you know, first baseman. I said, you learn to play the outfield. You'll play... And any every, team. You'll, you'll play every game. Yeah. You, you learn to be a catcher. You can play in every team, you know, in, in, in any sport. And you just have to find the niche you belong to. And once you find your niche, you're in there. Once you get noticed, and then you can expand what you want to do. You can actually do more things, but you have to get on that, that, that little, that little piece of property that everybody's trying to get on. And once you're there, you can take more retail space out. And, and, and I think that's what he taught you to do. You, you just find where you, where you belong you find that little piece and then we'll, we'll expand your, your responsibilities. Yeah, because it's very interesting in knowing him and knowing what he's about. Um, I find it fascinating. He thought that Brian Burke should go to law school. You yeah. know, he, found, he found, but he found like, serious, like he found, oh, yeah. he knew, he knew that that was, he yeah. was that smart. Yep. You get into Harvard, you're going to go to law school, Brian, because I think you'll be a great attorney. And this is the reasons why, you know what I mean? Yep. That is such a rare innate ability to find, to tell a young man at yep. like, 20 years old this yeah. is what you should do and yeah. and you don't see that it's it's such a you have to almost stand back in awe that he saw that and he could recognize talent and players i mean you know one of the things i was always fascinated by was everyone was always the captain of their team yep. and it, it didn't have to be hockey it had to be so you had to be a leader on the team because whenever you read the media guys at providence everyone was the captain of a baseball team a hockey team a football team the golf team yep. whatever it was they were a leader and, and you look at who we always recruited. He always recruited guys who were leaders. He always recruited guys who were very focused, guys who were very successful. And, and that really is amazing because when you think of the size, as you said, Providence College is only 3,000 students. Look at the success. Yeah. You guys had tremendous success. When I was a kid growing up, you, you would stand there in awe. Think to yourself, a small Dominican college is turning out National Hockey League players at a rate that's incredible. Yeah. You well, know, you know, what's funny is that if you look at the guys he recruited, uh, he recruited pieces to a puzzle. He, he, didn't, he didn't go after, like, like my senior year in high school was uh, that Bobby Carpenter was coming out of St. John's Prep. Yep. Richie really? Costello was coming out of Natick. I was coming out of Framingham. Paul Gay was coming out of Rhode Island. Timmy Army was coming out of Rhode Island. So it was like the first class they had the best kids in, in, each, in, in these states all wanting to go to Providence college. You know what I mean? So before what he did was he always, he got uh, guys that were really, some guys are really, really talented, but they also got 
the big winger who's going to go up and down and bang. Uh, he, he didn't need, you know, 19 guys who can stick handle. He needed guys to go in the corner and bang. And he, he, he picked and chose the pieces. And, and I think our, our, our freshman year going into Providence, uh, Bobby Carpenter obviously didn't come, but uh, Steve Rooney was there. Uh, Paul, Paul Gay, Tim Army, myself, Rich Costello, Brian Till out of Natick. Uh, we had a kid named out of Canada, Jeff Hamilton, who, who was a really good hockey player. Uh, so we, we had a, a loaded freshman class. Um, and I think that that kind of put the, um, the onus on the upper, the, the older guys that we got, there's a bunch of young guys coming through here and, and push them to another level as well. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you look at it too, at one point he had Brian Lawton, Tom Barrasso and Bobby Carpenter, three guys who got were first round draft choices, not just like somewhere in the middle at the top. Well, These guys and, were all, and, and, and you're thinking to yourself, how the hell was he able to pull that off? Well, remember he went into Boston. He went into Massachusetts to grab a lot of a lot of these guys were right under the Boston colleges, the Boston universities, the Northeastern's, the Harvard's, even New Hampshire. Uh, they're all right there. And and he walked, he was able to walk into Massachusetts and pull the type of players he did out. And 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 I, th- I think it knocked those other schools for a loop on, oh my God, we gotta, we lost all these guys. And it wasn't even like it wasn't like, hey, I got my I'm down on my last two or three, I'm gonna make my decisions soon. We everybody you know, declared early that they were going to Providence and, uh, not, and it was plenty of talent to go around, but you talk about those big names, the, the, the Bobby Carpenter's, the Richie Costello's, they were number one and two in the country. Basically it was, um, you know, and then they, and all of the rest of us uh, came along and, um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing how he was able to do it, but I think he did it because it was no nonsense. I think he'd go in and say, you know, you know, this is how it is. You know, you, you might be a really good hockey, you know, but hey, you still got to compete here, and we're going to make you a better hockey player type thing. And I think, I think they were honest; they didn't, he didn't try to BS anybody, and I think that's what what did it. And he also plus went it, to. And plus, also, we had the best facilities at the time too. Oh, I mean, Schneider Arena. When you look back at Schneider Arena, that I, when I would go to hockey camp there, and I was like nine and ten years old, I yeah. thought I was at like you know Madison Square Garden in New York. Have you seen I, it? Larry? Have you seen it? I, 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 I've I've seen the new place. It's like unbelievable now. I think it was like. I haven't been back there. I'm going like, where'd they find all this room? We were, we couldn't, we were cramping <laughs> these little spaces, you know, and it's like, wow. But like when, when you looked at, you know, it's, it's really interesting when you look at him, you know, not to go off and, and like talk a lot about him, but here, but it's, it's a, he's a fascinating person in sports. Yep. You think about it now. He built Snyder arena in his early thirties. Yep. Most guys in their early thirties are just trying to coach their program. He went and was able to build an arena first class. I mean, university of Minnesota, Michigan, these other big time schools that had hockey for years, you know, even Harvard and, and BC, yep. they didn't have this. Nope. You know, I remember guys getting stick patterns. You're getting new skates when you come in the door. You're getting, you know, top of the line of equipment. You're getting, I mean, you're being treated like an NHL player walking in the door. I mean, that's what yeah. guys said to me. It's like you're an NHL player. The only, you know, the only and, thing I didn't like about him is we had to wear those long pants. The Cooperalls. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but when you look at that and you say to yourself, you know, and then he had, and then he recruited kids from Minnesota. Yep. Think of that. Like nobody who, you know, think about back then, late seventies, early eighties, who wants to go all the way across the country to Providence, Rhode Island, to a little school from Minnesota, but he had a pipeline to bring all those kids in that they overlooked at Like, you know, Minnesota, Duluth, yep. Minnesota, all those schools that overlook these kids. They, you know, people say they're second tier players. No, they're not. No, no. You know, and, you, and you looked at that like, wow, this is incredible. Like you, you stand back in awe with what he would do. Well, I think that's, that's that one, it's because of him, the loyalty that he had friends out there that they wouldn't send him somebody that, that 
was going to make, you know, make everybody look bad. They knew, he knew exactly. I could trust these guys. If they have somebody that, that nobody really seen, but he's good enough to come in here. And, and he was able to do that. And, and um, you know, you know, the, the Brian Burks, of the world and, and uh, uh, the, the Klein Endorse brothers, uh, Steve Anderson, Mike, uh, Mike Bolstead, Bruce Boyne came out of international falls, Minnesota. I mean, the middle, I mean, right up the middle. middle no, for yeah. Yeah, like who the hell, who the hell is going to go recruit up there type thing? But yeah, um, but they came in and they they were the players that he wanted. He he, he the guys that, the type of players he wanted. His buddies in, in Minnesota found him for him and and uh, they made it all work. Yeah, it's 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 a loyalty thing and and that's one of the problems I had when he left my sophomore year uh, and they brought in and, and a really good guy Steve Sterling. Okay, was became the coach and Mike yep. Gaffney became the assistant coach. Yep. Mark Gaffney's a Providence College guy. Okay. Steve Sterling wasn't. He was, a Babson he, was a, guy. He, was, he was a BU guy. He was a BU guy, but he coached at Babson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But he played hockey. And Providence such to be a small school. It, it 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 needed somebody who understood what that small school thing was like. And and uh and Mike Gaffney probably should have been the head coach because he had the same mentality and, and, yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And <laughs> Steve came in and he was a little more uh, um, uh, sort of like, sort of like what parents are now. It's like, hey, you know, let's, you know, the, you know, and, and make it all nice and whatever it is. Instead of going, no, you, you screwed up. No, this is, you know, this is the whole thing, and I, that mentality. And then when he left, they brought in that Mike, Mike McShane, who was from St. Lawrence, and they had the same type of mentality, and, and pretty much alienated all the alumni. I never got a call. I was in man when I was playing for the Jets. I, I called and said, listen, there's a couple young kids up here that are really, really good. I'll talk to him if you want me to. Oh, no, it's all right. Don't worry about it. And that was, and just totally just sloughed off all the alumni. That, and, that's, that's the thing about Lou, the loyalty piece. <clears throat> very few people understand that yep. is huge. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're calling him and saying, Hey, there's two kids up here. I think we should take a look at, all right, I'll send somebody up to get a look at them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or have them contact me. Yeah. That's that, that's your, that's your bread and butter to getting out and spreading your wings even more in the recruitment exactly. game. Yep. And a lot of coaches didn't get that. And I, I remember, I remember Lou having his set guys at, at the hockey camp. He had the same guy who ran the dorm. He had mm -hmm. the same guy who did that. And it was all loyalty. All those guys were loyal to him. And it was great because yeah. it gave you a, when I went there as a kid, the family atmosphere was so much fun. And I worked there at the yeah. camp, you know, I mean, it was fun. I mean, people say it's like a boot camp. You don't get it. If you, under, if you think it's a boot camp, you're not getting what he's doing. He's yeah. setting you up for everything and everything I'm learning here. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, later in life, I'm going to be able to use. Like my father told me that. And I kind of looked at him, I go, and he goes, trust me, you're going to understand this when you're 25 years old. Yeah. And you know, it, just, it was just little things. I mean, and, and, and it's, a, and a big thing is trust. You, you have to trust people around you to, if you're going to do X, you have to trust people around you is going to have, you know, like watch out for the peripheral of what's going on. Just, just to give comfort zones and stuff like that. And, and I think um, that's what he tried to do there. And he tried to make it a family, he tried to make it, Hey, I trust you. Just trust me. I, you know, I may yell at you, but it's that I'm, I'm doing it for a reason. I want I you, I see something in you, yeah. and I don't want you to keep messing up. I want exactly. you to stay focused or whatever. Yeah. Um, how did that? We're going to get to the NHL in a second here, but you stayed at PC for four years. Yeah. A lot of guys today don't stay. They leave after one year, two years. 
How did that help you in your development staying there for the four years, not only from the hockey side, but like the maturity side? It, it helped. I mean, I, I mean, imagine being an 18 year old kid going to the NHL and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of kids who can, can make that jump. There's, there's a lot of kids who can't make that jump and get lost by the wayside. And, and if they're, if they're uh, mentally weak, then they're really gone. I mean, it's, it's very, very hard. It's very, very few. Um, if you look at any NHL team, uh, very few first round draft picks are on these NHL teams. You know, you, you'll get a few here and there, you know, they might, whatever, but uh, most of them are your second, third, fourth round draft picks who make up majority of the hockey teams. And, um, and so me staying there for four years, one, it just, one got, I got stronger. Uh, two, it was, uh, now I'm 21. And when I go in there, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not a 19 year old kid playing against 29 year olds where it's like, even though it's just that, that look, you know, you, you see somebody yep. look older, you're like, Oh, wow. You know, they, you know, these guys look, oh my God, they're older, you know, that type of thing. They and have families, they have kids. And I don't yeah. have, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to, uh, it's hard, it's hard to say, but once you walk in there, you're like, Oh, all right. They're just like me now I'm 21 and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, 210 pounds, 205 pounds, whatever it is. And all these guys, when you see them, with equipment on, they like look huge. We see them off the ice, like, oh, the same size, you know, it's just, they were bigger, you know, whatever it was. And, um, that, that, I think that was it. And I think it just, uh, the grind of, uh, um, the, the hockey season gets to be very, very long. And it, I think just, just kind of helps you along, along and find your way when you, when you get on by yourself, you know, type thing. That was segment two with Peter Tagliani of the Pittsburgh Penguins here on inside the game brought to you by flex coach and flex coach VR. Stay tuned for segment three. Inside the game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. 